I would invite you to take your hymn book and turn to hymn number 446 as we stand and sing together the first, the third, and the fourth stanzas. Take time to be holy. <laughs> Take time to be holy, speak up with the Lord, abide in Him always, and feed on His Word. Make friends of God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing. His blessing to seek. Take time to be holy. Let him be thy guide. And run not before him, whatever be tied. Enjoy our sorrow. Still trust in his word. Take time to be holy, become in thy soul. Each thought and each motive beneath his control. Thus, led by his spirit to of love, all sons shall be fitted for service above. Have you ever said this about yourself if you're a Christian that I'm glad I'm not how I used to be? I'm not in the trouble that I would be had it not be for my belief system? There was a day when I would have seen those and he would have had his back turned. I'd have switched them. <laughs> no, I, that wasn't me, I promise. It wasn't me. But I hope that we are all improved versions of what we used to be. That's part of our Christian walk. Perfect? No. Improved? Absolutely. I saw a sign at a business in Indiana that said this, and I'll never forget the sign, and it said these words. How much can I get away with and still go to heaven? Good question, sad question. Shouldn't our Christian walk aim higher than that? Shouldn't it be more dedicated than, than that. I'll perform a couple of weddings in June. Can you imagine a groom or a bride coming up to me before the wedding and said, David, uh, thinking about marriage down the road, I want to be, you know, on a scale, of, I want to be an adequate husband, wife. I, on a scale of one to 10, I want to give it a hard two. You know, I, I, I don't want to try that hard. What's your, what's your suggestion? Can you imagine that, entering that way? They don't enter marriage that way, and we don't enter Christianity that way. 
But sometimes marriages get sidetracked. and Well, sometimes Christianity gets sidetracked, doesn't it? And we almost get into that mode of, okay, I want to go to heaven, but how little can I do to get there? We should all aim high. All of us. Today, we're going to talk about God's standard for our lives. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, it is our desire that one day, and you arrange this now in days ahead, that we'll all meet in heaven, just those of us in this room, and we'll remember these moments, and we'll all get there, not barely get there, but get there triumphantly, gloriously. Let that be our aim. Help us to aim high, all of us, in our walk with you. Father, thank you for the gift of this day. We pray that you're close. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember as a young person, and I bet you did this too, comparing myself to others. Did you do that? If there was trouble, if you got in trouble, I would try to use this argument with dear old dad. You know, I might be bad, but I'm not as bad as John Smith. Did you ever try that? And I use John Smith because I don't know a John Smith, but there's names in this room I could have used, but I didn't use those names. I could always find somebody worse than me. Couldn't you? And so I thought that was a great defense. If, you know, I'm the youngest of five, and so I knew the family history, and I knew what my brothers had done, and I kept a little file up here about what my brothers had done. And if I did something and got in trouble for it, I would remember when they did, it, it didn't work. I could always find somebody worse than me, and compared to them, I was pretty good. That method didn't hold up in my father's court, and it doesn't hold up in God's either. D.L. Moody said this, and I love this quote. The best way to show that a stick is crooked is not to argue about it or spend time denouncing it, but to lay a straight stick alongside it. Ouch. And so I need to judge my life not against the reprobates of society, but against Jesus. Let me show you God's standard. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Anybody breathe uh-oh when you read that? God's standard is holiness. We're not to compare ourselves to others. In fact, we're to be different from others. The word holiness means set apart. It means separate. It means different. Set apart from the world. Set apart towards God. Different from the world. Separate from the world. In college, a dear friend of mine defined holiness and I'll, I'll always remember Barry's definition as anything God would smile at. Isn't that a good definition? Anything that God would smile at. I think we get the idea sometimes that if, it, if we're holy, that we can't have any fun. Do you, do you think that's a definition some people have? We have to dress in dark drab clothing and we should never smile and we should never have fun. And that's not it. We should be the most joyous of all people. If we profess to be a Christian, 
we should be noticeably different from the world around us. Our language should be different than what it was. Our relationships different from what they were. Our thoughts different from what they were. The things we read, the things we watch, the way we live different from before we became a Christ follower. As Christians, we're not simply called to be forgiven to make it to heaven. We're called to be transformed. And that should happen in our lives every day. Like a caterpillar to a butterfly. But I'm afraid that sometimes lots of folks have lived by that phrase I showed you earlier, how much can I get away with and still go to heaven? Some people don't seem to transform. Some really do, and we get the privilege of watching that, and we see people just, just really blossom and flourish because of their faith. But there are others that don't seem to transform. They stay caterpillars. I call them worms for God, and that's what they are. And they used the comparison method that I once used. I, I'm not so bad. I'm not as bad as my neighbor. And God says, I am holy. Be holy. Look what Hebrews 12, 14 tells us. Work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. You might throw your hands up and think, what chance do we have? What is it that I can do to be holy? How can we be holy? How can we get there? It's not as hard as you think. The first thing I would tell you, and maybe the best thing I would tell you, is make holiness your goal. Think about it. Each and every day, make holiness, your relationship with God, your priority. I love the old Chinese proverb, he who aims at nothing will always hit it. That is true. And that is true in so many things in our lives. If you want to retire, you have to aim at it. If you want to find the right person to spend your life with, you got to aim at it. If you want to get down to a certain weight, dadgummit, you got to aim at it. Remember these words from a moment ago, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. Now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says you must be holy because I am. Let's look two verses before that, verse 13 and 1 Peter 1. It gives us some clues about what to do, how to do it. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Prepare your minds. Other versions say think clearly. If you want to live a holy life, God must dwell in your thoughts. That's why we are told in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 to pray without ceasing. You know what that really means? That really means, I mean, you can't stay on your knees all the time. You can't have your eyes shut all the time, although sometimes on 285 you think people do. You can't pray all of the time like that, but it's almost like a spiritual breathing that God's always on your thoughts, that God is always there. And so whatever I do, I'm gonna make sure that my actions reflect that I'm trying to be holy. Every decision we make, every action we take, every thought we think will always be better when God is included, always. 
when I failed the most in this life, no doubt there were times when I forgot that God was with me. I forgot. I've told you the story before, but it bears repeating. Growing up on the caddy corner right across here, corner of Mount Vernon and Glen Ridge, my dad grew up in South Mississippi. And in South Mississippi, in the countryside, all the kids had slingshots. So he gave me a slingshot. And remember where I was, the corner of Mount Vernon and Glenridge. Now, dad talked about rabbit hunting. And so we didn't have any rabbits that I can remember, and there weren't things to hunt. The only rabbits in our neighborhood were made by Volkswagen, and they would go by the house every now and then. They were attractive targets. So one day I was in the backyard with my slingshot shooting at tin cans and boxes and just, it was just no fun. And the next door neighbor boy, David Brazil, was standing there with me. And we hear the whine of a little car. It was a green MG midget coming from towards Hammond, coming this way on Glen Ridge. And he said, I bet you can't hit that car. I bet I did. <laughs> Let it go. And all of a sudden, the car hits the brakes. And David and I hit the trail. We got out of there. The owner of the car found my brother, Charlie. My brother, Charlie, found my father. And my father found me repeatedly over the next few days. And I use that illustration because... And I'll say, well, what if God was there, would I have shot the car? Well, it's a trick question because God was there, wasn't he? I forgot. I didn't put that into the equation. If I would have known God was there and David would have said, I bet you can't hit that car, I'd have pointed the finger, you wicked child, go back to your house. I don't live that way. You know, I'd, I'd have let him have it. But I forgot. And when I forget, trouble comes. And so that's why we're told to prepare our minds. You ever thought about buying a certain car? Let's pretend it's a VW Beetle. And so you read about VW Beetles and you go to look at them and you research them online. And all of a sudden, wherever you go, you see VW Beetles. You done that? You notice how that happens? They were always there. You just didn't see them. Why do you see them now? They're on your mind. And so that's what scripture is telling us to do. When God is on our mind, when his word is in our hearts, we're going to see things that we never would have seen in the first place. We used to just pass them by. Back to 1 Peter 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that'll come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You see those words, prepare your mind for action, for action. This word really means conflict or war. If you're not prepared for war in the spiritual realm, we're gonna get slaughtered. If we're not ready to fight and to stand up and to have God on our side, we're gonna be in trouble. I read last week of a pastor in Missouri that renounced his faith, it was online. 40 years in the ministry. And he walked away from his faith and from his church and from his family. And stories like that bother me. 
but they also motivate me to prepare and always prepare my mind for action and exercise self-control and that I will put all my hope in the gracious salvation that will come to me when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. But over the years, I've seen people have difficulties and just walk away from the church. They disappear. You seen that? I've seen that. They weren't prepared. And sadly, many times they're not prepared because they were lied to. And they weren't told that life can be tough and life can be difficult and you're going to have problems. That's the truth. It's not popular, but that's the truth. That's what scripture teaches. Back to our scripture. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. There's a big one right there, isn't it? Self-control. If you think you're doomed because self-control is not your forte, I've got good news for you. When you ask God into your life, the Spirit of God comes into your life, and guess what he promises to give you? Galatians tells us this in chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit that will have all of these is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and there's the last one, which is so important. God will give you self-control. Ask God into your life and the Holy Spirit will let you tap into self-control. It doesn't just happen. We have to do our part. We have to pursue holiness. By the way, that's the title of a great book written by Jerry Bridges sometimes in the 80s. If you can get a hold of it, it's a good read. So what's holiness look like? My friend Babe became a Christian when he was 99 and a half years old. We were sitting in his living room and he died a few months later before his 100th birthday. Because of his health, he could not go to church. Because of his health, he could not be baptized. I don't know if he was able to read his Bible because his vision was not the best. I don't know how much he prayed. I don't know if he ever tithed, but I do know he's in heaven. You ask me, was he holy? I say yes. And the reason I say yes, that he was holy, is because he asked to receive Christ. And Jesus became his advocate. And that's the only chance that I have and that you have. I can't buy my way into heaven. I can't personality my way into heaven. I can't work my way into heaven. I have Jesus as my advocate. That is separate. That is different. That is set aside when we realize we're a sinner and we need a savior because most of the world does not ask. And that's sad. Babe set himself apart that is different. Most do not do that. Holy is not the same as perfect. None of us are perfect. But we can be holy. We can strive to be the men and women of God that he created us to be. And I love seeing caterpillars becoming butterflies, don't you? It's great in the animal kingdom. It's even better than the spiritual kingdom. God bless you as you transform. Let's pray together. Father, help us to aim and help us to aim high. Help us not to just wander around and try to wander into something. Help us to have a plan to seek you. You have promised us that those who seek will find. Thank you, Father, today for those that have 
been in this room for year after year after year. And thank you for those that it's their first time. Thank you for those that have been faithful to church for a long time and today might be the first time in years. I don't know, you do. But Father, they're different today. They're set aside today. And thank you for that. Help us to aim high, to be great examples, to not just be forgiven, to be transformed. Father, thank you that you can do that. Thank you for what we have seen and we pray that others see that in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. We, I didn't alert you to, but we're going to go ahead and sing Take Time to Be Holy again. It can be an invitation. A friend of mine asked me the other day, he said, when are you going to do an invitation? I'll do an invitation today if you want to join with our church family. You can also fill out a connect card and do that as well. But this can also be, if it's not a time of public uh, display, but it can also be a time spiritually for us to say, you know, that's going to be my goal and that's what I'm going to aim at. We can do that standing right where we are. So let's stand and let's sing together. Take time to be holy. Take time to be holy.